Welcome to the Legal Merry-Go-Round, where you can learn to avoid the downs and savor the ups. Here, 40-year veteran attorney Paul Samico will entertain you and help you understand the law in areas we might all face. Brushes with the police? Oh boy. Family disputes? Oh no. An injury and accident situations? Ouch. And now, here's Paul. Hello there, and welcome to the Legal Merry-Go-Round, where I'm always asking you both in the law and in your personal life to avoid the downs and savor the ups. I am your host, Attorney Paul Samico, and it is, as you know, Wednesday, because you looked at your calendar when you got out of bed. I know you did. So that means on our show, it is Wrongdoer Wednesdays, where I talk about things related to the law and criminal matters that relate to the law, uh, things involving uh, all measure of problems that you may be interested in, goodness hope that you're not personally involved in, or that anyone you know is personally involved in. But nonetheless, my efforts on Wrongdoer Wednesdays is to educate sometimes tell stories that are interesting and funny, and in all advice, in all instances, give advice so that you can stay on the right side of the fence. Today, I'm going to talk about cell phones. Can the police access information on your cell phone? I have a great interest in this because probably like you, hoping that I'm never going to run up against any issues with criminal law, but my cell phone is attached to my hip. Most of us would try to say the same thing, I think. And so it's our life, basically. I mean, you know, how many people do you know when they, uh, when, when they're out and about and they can't find their phone, they go crazy. Oh, where's my phone? I need my phone. It's like, they don't have a life. Well, I'm not that bad. Thank you. But, you know, given that our phones are intricately involved in most everything we do today. If you've committed a crime or the police think you've committed a crime, your phone is a likely source of evidence. I want to share a little bit of background. The law on cell phone access by the authorities, the government, the police, a landmark United States Supreme Court case in 2014, Riley versus California. The court unanimously held that the warrantless search and seizure of the digital contents of a cell phone during an arrest was unconstitutional. That's right, reversing the, those words. The police need a search warrant. Otherwise, if they search without it, it is against or against the Constitution, illegal, unconstitutional. Now, the case arose, arose because the Supreme Court, doing its job, had to resolve controversies in law in several jurisdictions and federal, federal courts. Uh, numerous state courts and federal courts over uh, the cell phone uh, incident, uh, search incident to arrest doctrine, search incident to arrest doctrine, this, uh, this doctrine says that police can search incident to arrest, right, while they're making the arrest because, one, they're concerned about their safety, and two, they're concerned about evidence being destroyed so they can search while they're making that arrest. The Fourth, Fifth, and Seventh Circuits 
at that point in 2014 had ruled that officers can search phones incident to that uh, arrest uh, doctrine uh, under various circumstances. That rule was followed by the Supreme Courts of Georgia, Massachusetts, and California, but other courts in the First Circuit Federal Court and the Supreme Courts of Florida and Ohio disagreed. So the law of cell phone accessibility by police, it's kind of like the name of my show, Mary, the legal merry-go-round, up and down, clear division among the various courts and jurisdictions in our country in 2014. And interestingly enough, still, remember back in 2016, the terrorist attack in San Bernardino uh, that left 14 people dead, uh, cell phone uh, belonged to Syed Farouk, uh, the terrorist who killed all those folks. The FBI wanted Apple to unlock his iPhone. So there was a, an extensive court hearing. The judge asked Apple to provide reasonable technical assistance to the U.S. authorities, which would require the technology giant to overhaul the system that disabled the phone after 10 unsuccessful password attempts. Once the feature kicks in, all the data on the phone is inaccessible once it's locked. Apple declined to help the FBI in that case, if you remember. Apple's chief executive at the time, Tim Cook, called the order chilling and said that it would require writing new software that would be a master key capable of opening hundreds of millions of locks. We're going to get to the concept of locks on the second half of the show here, but back then, this 2016 terrorist matter, Cook's argument was, that if the FBI could access the iPhone, nothing would stop them from doing it to many others. Law enforcement authorities insisted, on the other hand, that it was a one-off request as a result of the discrepancies and disagreements the case went to court. A hearing was set, but it was postponed after the government said that it found a third party that was able to unlock the iPhone. Uh, reports suggested that it was an Israeli firm named Celebrite, but that was never confirmed. The court uh, ultimately had the case dropped. The Justice Department said it had managed to access the phone, uh, the data on the iPhone in question. The FBI said in a statement that it could not comment on the technical aspects of how the phone was unlocked, nor the third party that was involved. Apple said it's going to continue to help law enforcement with their investigations, as we've done all along, and we will continue to increase the security of our products as the threats and attacks on our data. Another case, this is very interesting here locally to me, Fourth Circuit Federal Court of Appeals. This is a little bit earlier, but an interesting case that led up to all of these things in the teens, the 2013, 14, 15, 16, 17 a prior case in the Fourth Circuit, Federal Court of Appeals. Uh, Murphy, the passenger in a car stopped for speeding, was arrested for obstruction when police determined he'd given them a false name. After counterfeit currency and drug-related items were found in the car, police searched Murphy's cell phone and obtained phone numbers they later used uh, to develop additional evidence against them. The court upheld it as a lawful search incident to arrest, 
and necessary to preserve incriminating evidence. Well, you know, guys, there's a lot of ways law enforcement can obtain data, uh, both externally and from the phone itself. So I want to get into some of that. The police want your phone data. Here's what they can get and what they can't. Their ability to access phone data depends on a, uh, what I'm going to call um, a myriad patchwork of court decisions and laws that clearly predate the technology. But court cases are uh, current, and I'm going to share one uh, in just a bit. Um, you, you understand, I hope, you know, if you're a legal eagle, that during an arrest, the United States Constitution gives you certain rights. You've heard of, of course, your right to remain silent. You have the right to a speedy trial, the right to a, a lawyer. You also have the right to be free from what is called unreasonable searches and seizures of your private property. And you might wonder, of course, as we're talking about here, if these rights extend to your cell, your, your mobile device, your phone. Here's a 2020 case. I said that the cases are catching up. The law is catching up. It's an interesting case from the state of Washington that illustrates some of the legal issues in the law surrounding uh, this, this issue, police accessing your phone. The United States District Court, Western District of Washington in Seattle uh, versus the plaintiff, Joseph Sam. Joseph made a motion to suppress the cell phone contents which had been accessed by police. He was indicted and charged with conspiracy to commit robbery, uh, robbery and assault resulting in serious injury. In May of 2019, police arrested him. Incident to the arrest, we've talked about that already, uh, one of the cops searched him and seized his Motorola smartphone. What happened after that is unclear. You know, everybody's got a different story, of course. He says, Mr. S uh, Sam says that during his arrest, the police officer activated his phone's display screen, which revealed the name Streetsy. Okay, whatever that means, Streetsy. The government claims that after the police officer uh, brought Mr. Sam to the uh, the police headquarters, the some officers examined the phone pursuant to an inventory procedure to determine the type of phone and whether it was locked and to place it into airplane mode so the phone could not be wiped remotely. The report says nothing about the circumstances under which the phone was examined. Uh, that remains unknown. But what was known was that on this February 2020 date, the FBI removed the phone from inventory, powered the phone on, and took a photograph of the lock screen. The photograph shows the name Streetsy, uh, again, who knows what that is, right underneath the time and date. So Mr. Sam wanted to suppress evidence obtained from his phone. I guess Streetsy might have been a, a street name for this guy that would implicate him in other crimes. Uh, you know, I'm just speculating here, but, you know, moving on with the law here and, and that particular case, it's clear enough that when a police officer arrests you, they can seize an inventory property found in your possession. This is known as an inventory search. Inventory searches typically have three purposes. Number one, protecting property, uh, 
Number two, protecting the police uh, from claims by the property's owner that, you know, the police confiscated some personal effects, what have you. And number three, protecting the police from potential danger. You know, you inventory it, maybe it's a ticking bomb, who knows? So back to this case with Mr. Sam, the record didn't have any evidence regarding the inventory search purportedly conducted by the police or the FBI, uh, by the police, excuse me. Uh, the record didn't show anything why the police felt it necessary to power on or manipulate uh, Mr. Sam's cell phone to properly inventory it. And the record also didn't show whether the police's established procedures required its officers to power on every cell phone that they inventory. Uh, finally, the record did not even show that the police searched Mr. Sam's cell phone. So the court initially couldn't resolve the motion to suppress uh, as to the police examination of the phone. They ordered the parties to file additional briefs addressing the circumstances surrounding the police officers and department's alleged examinations of Mr. Sam's phone. The matter did get resolved. The final decision, a police officer may take your phone during an arrest, but an investigator cannot use lock screen data against you in the courtroom after they place your phone in the search inventory. Taking a screenshot of the lock screen after the fact is a violation of your constitutional rights. That's a lot of information. You want to call me up and I'll explain it to you? I'm happy to do that. But I think if you listen again, that would be better. Now to the break. I'm going to give you more interesting information and advice. Don't go away and uh, stay off your phone. Okay, so this is this is just off the charts for me, but yeah, this happens. Don't you love America? Roderick Carter won a new trial on federal gun charges on the grounds that his original jury had too many people with the last names starting with the letter G. His lawyer argued that this violated his Sixth Amendment right to a jury of his peers. Mr. Carter is an African-American gentleman. Of the 38 candidates in the original jury pool, 21 had surnames starting with the letter G, and 14 of those were named Garcia, Gomez, Gonzalez, Guerra, Gutierrez, and Goldares. Carter, again an African-American, was later acquitted by a jury of six blacks, four Hispanics, and two whites at his second trial. Ay, caramba! Oh, well, I guess good for him and good for his sharp lawyer. If I was that judge, not a shot. But you never know. Kitoki, we're back. Thank you. Thank you for coming back and listening. I know that story during the break was very funny. Um, I also imagine that during the break, you did go to the website for the podcast here, the legal merry-go-round.com and you subscribed. What you didn't. Okay. Uh, also, Hey, you in the back row, uh, put your phone down. It's time to listen to me again. 
We're talking about cell phones. We're talking about can the police get data, access those phones, information. Do the police need a search warrant to access your cell phone? The Fourth Amendment of the Constitution protects you. I've told you this in the first half, and you might know this. It protects you from unreasonable searches and seizures. Police officers can only search your cell phone under certain circumstances in accordance with these constitutional rights. If the police have a warrant to search your cell phone, they can access your information, period. If the police search your cell phone without a warrant, that is a violation of your Fourth Amendment rights. Police officers may assume they have the right to search your phone during an arrest, but they can't do so without a specific warrant or under certain extenuating circumstances like the search incident to arrest doctrine. If a suspect abandons a cell phone while fleeing a crime scene, for example, the police can perform a warrantless search of the device. Okay, so there's laws on this. It's not just court cases. The law that governs most of this stuff on police searching your phone falls under the Uh, the language of the Stored Communications Act. It's a federal statute that protects your electronic privacy. The Stored Communications Act. It passed, you ready for this? In 1986, as part of the Electronic Communications Privacy Act. So here's some, some, some points of this Stored Communications Act, which you're going to want to hear related to the cell phone. Third-party internet service providers, we know them as ISPs, generally protect our electronic and wire communications and stored data, as well as transactional records. Under this Stored Communication Act, ISPs have to follow specific rules and limitations regarding the disclosure of customer information and communications. Why am I telling you this? Well, imagine that the police could just call up your internet service provider or or, or your, your data provider and say, hey, you know, we want Fred's information. Government entities must obtain a search warrant before getting access to that information. What if a police officer searches your phone without a warrant? Well, I've already told you, unless it's under certain circumstances, that's illegal. If a police officer believes that evidence exists on your cell phone, they must obtain a warrant to search your phone. However, if an officer takes your phone without express authorization or permission, again, that's a violation of your constitutional rights. So let's get to the issue perhaps for you. How best can you avoid some data being discovered if if you can? We're talking about passcodes and phone locks, another subset in this very interesting discussion. There are companies that specialize in cracking phone passcodes and exploiting vulnerabilities, and they're getting better and better at doing these things. Although Apple has tried especially hard to make its phones impossible to break into, more and more law enforcement agencies are using these tools to gain access to devices, 
even when someone is accused of relatively petty crimes. As an example, again, the terrorist situation out in San Bernardino several years ago. When it comes to data that can only be obtained from access to your phone, what law enforcement can actually get varies depending upon how you lock it, where you live, and the jurisdiction of the law enforcement agency that's investigating local police versus the FBI, as an example. So here are some of the main ways the government can get information from your phone. Whatever it wants, that's what they can get with the right court order. But there's always a but, isn't there? (laughs) The legal merry-go-round, the ups and the downs. Depending upon what law enforcement's looking for, it may not need physical possession of your device at all. A lot of information on your phone is also stored elsewhere. Did you know that? Well, you must, because examples is if you back up your iPhone to Apple's iCloud, the government can get it from Apple if it has a warrant. If it needs to see whose DMs you slid into, law enforcement can contact Twitter. As long as they go through the proper and established legal channels to get it, police can get their hands on pretty much anything you've stored outside of your device. So again, here comes that Stored Communications Act. It says that service providers must have court orders authorizing the accessibility of that information before they can give the requested information to police. But assuming the government has the right paperwork, your information is still pretty obtainable. Basically, anything that a provider has that it can decode, law enforcement's getting it. Note that this only covers service providers, that law. If law enforcement wants to get WhatsApp messages you exchange with a friend from your friend's phone, it doesn't need a warrant as long as your friend is willing to hand over the information. So you might want to start thinking about who your friends are. You don't have a Fourth Amendment interest in messages that have been received by somebody else. If your friend refuses to willingly hand over what the police want, they can still get it. They just have to get a warrant first. Now, law enforcement wants access to personal data on your phone. Can they do that? Maybe no. If your phone is protect, pro, uh, I'll get the word right. If your phone is protected by a passcode or biometric unlocking features, say like your image, your fingerprint, your face, there's a chance police can't get access to your personal data. But again, the ups and downs of the merry-go-round, maybe they can. It's not guaranteed that they can't. Whew. You feel like uh, you're running around in circles? Well, imagine where the police are going with this and the government is going with this. In addition to data hosted by a third party, there's a lot of information that can only be gained from access to your phone. For example, the data in iCloud backups is only as recent as the last time you uploaded it, and it only includes what you chose to give it, assuming you back up your phone at all. Encrypted messaging services, again, like WhatsApp, don't store messages on their servers or keep track of who's sending them to whom. So the only way for police to get them is through the sender's or the receiver's device, the sender's or the receiver's phone. 
And as I've explained above previously here, the government can get WhatsApp messages from the person you're communicating with, but only if it knows who it is in the first place. So how exactly would someone other than you, police for instance, get access to that data? If your phone doesn't have a password, law enforcement is able to access it using specialized passcode cracking tools like Celebrite. Again, that's one of the companies that is believed to have helped the FBI with the terrorist uh, assassinations in San Bernardino years back. There's another group called Gray Key, and they have necessary search warrant to do so, then it's all theirs. A report from technology and justice advocacy group Upturn showed that law enforcement use of these phone cracking tools is more prevalent than previously known, and that there's little oversight governing how and when these tools may be used or what information they're limited to accessing. Ooh, uh, anybody out there old enough to remember the concept of Big Brother? Well, okay. If your phone is locked with a passcode and law enforcement can't crack into it, the Fifth Amendment to the United States Constitution may be your friend. Well, it is your friend. Essentially, the Fifth Amendment says you can't be compelled to give self-incriminating self testimony. This amendment is perhaps known best to you as the dramatic moment on court TV shows when the person on the stand says, I plead the Fifth. Testimony in civil in this type of case is defined uh, as revealing the contents of your own mind. You can't be forced to to tell people what you're thinking. Therefore, civil rights advocates say that the government can't force you to tell them your phone's password. Let me offer a, a, a quick case, a couple of cases. In 2019, Massachusetts' highest, highest court forced a defendant to reveal his phone's passcode, while Pennsylvania's highest court ruled that a defendant could not be compelled to unlock his computer. Indiana's and New Jersey's highest courts were both considering, in 2019, compelling passcode disclosure cases. On the federal side, the Third Circuit Court of Appeals ruled that a defendant could be compelled to unlock multiple password-protected devices, even though the defendant claimed he couldn't remember his passwords. Then, the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals ruled the other way in a different case. Guys, it, it's a law that's really in flux. Eventually, the U.S. Supreme Court might get involved and resolve this. There are other ways to protect your phone. Some phones can use fingerprints, facial recognition, and iris scanners to unlock instead of passwords. Law enforcement is allowed to use people's bodies as evidence against them. As an example, um, compelling them to participate in lineups or to provide their DNA. So if the police can take your fingerprints, can't they use them to unlock your phone? Courts are all over the map on this, folks. Another factor to consider here is that while it's impossible for police to read your mind and get your passcode, they can hold up a phone to your face or press your finger on it to bypass the biometric lock. Yeah, okay. So while your lawyer or you should argue that any evidence found that way was illegally obtained and should be suppressed, 
there's no guarantee that that argument's going to win. Bottom line, all things considered, if you're worried about law enforcement getting access to your phone, your safest bet is just to use a passcode that's very hard to uh, to to un to decipher. Wow, a lot of information. Wish I could tell you what the law is, but depends on a lot of different factors, where you are in the country, what the courts have ruled in that jurisdiction, a lot of real interesting stuff. I wish you the best, and I would share with you that maybe the only purpose of cell phones is to keep um, uh, keep your loved ones happy. Hello, honey. I'm going to be home in 20 minutes. Listen, thank you for listening to uh, the legal merry-go-round today. It's Wednesday. I'll be back on Friday with Fender Bender Fridays to talk about uh, issues around injury cases and compensation for those. Thank you for your ear for the last uh, half hour or so here. See you next time. Thanks for listening to the legal merry-go-round. We hope you enjoyed our show. Tune in next time to get a better understanding of real-life legal situations.